Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Art Studio. I am your host, Dan Burke. I hope all of you are having a great day in your art studio, and I hope the art is coming out well. The first rule of Art Club is to say no. Saying no is one of the best things you can do for your career. I am approached all the time by people who want me to do projects or do things in a way that is not conducive to my artistic sensibility or success. In other words, they want it their way, which I get. You're allowed to have it your way, but I don't have to do it for you. You will be asked almost, oh, how can I describe it? How many times would it be? At least a thousand times in your art career, you'll be asked to do art for free, partner up with somebody. Basically, the plan is you do all the work and they're your partner somehow. I get that. Now, some people bring stuff to the table. I have tried and have created projects with other people, and sometimes I'm in the position of leading the project, or sometimes I'm just participating in the project. You're going to have to say no to many people approaching you about projects. They're not good for you. They're not a good project for you. They're not a good fit. And most importantly, the money is not right. Most of us, more or less, are willing to draw or do stuff for money. I am. And a lot of people come along into the art studio and try to hire me, and they don't have enough money, literally. So I have to say no. And that happens probably every week of my life. And so it's going to happen to you in your career as an artist. You've got to learn to say no. Now, here's the good news about saying no. You never have to work on a job where you're being paid too little, and you're pissed off about it, and you're bitter. Because that's all it leads to when you're paid too little. You're, you're pissed. You want to do your best work. You want to be motivated to do your best work. And that means you getting paid the wage that is fair for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. So you're going to have to say no, as it turns out, more often than you say yes. Think of yourself as an artist, as a very beautiful woman. People are constantly asking you out and vying for your attention. Sadly, you can't go out with every Jack, Tom, Dick, and Harry who says hello, so you have to say no. You're going to say no a lot more times than you say yes as a beautiful woman. So as an artist, you're going to be saying no a lot more than you say yes, and it's time you learn right now to do it, to say no. People will say, will you do it for $50? No, I can't. I'm sorry. Don't even have to be sorry. I never even say I'm sorry. I just say, no, I can't. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing about saying no. First off, it frees me up to work on the clients who do have money, and they come along. It makes me feel good about the work that I'm doing. I always feel good because I'm being well paid for my work. And here's another thing. 
not not many artists are easy to deal with, friendly, professional, and so on. So if you're one of those people and somebody comes along and they want your art and you're friendly, professional, and so on, they may want to do business with you. And in doing business with you, they'll want to pay for that experience. So I've had people come along and say, well, you know what, I really can't afford you. And I go, well, I understand, no problem, have a great day. Then they go out and they try to hire some other artists, and it doesn't work out. They come back to me, who runs it professionally, just like a doctor's office, and they go, well, I'm willing to pay your rate now because I'm going to get exactly what I want. And that's right. You're going to get exactly what you want if I'm willing to do it. (laughs) Again, I might say no. But if the price is right and the project is right, I might say yes. So this is one of the big lessons they should teach you in life, teach you in art school and everywhere else. There's versions of this, and that's just being quiet or not responding. I would say most people do that version, kind of like breaking up with somebody without really breaking up with them. You just stop calling them, just stop paying attention to them, and the next thing you know, you're single. It's kind of that idea. You don't, they don't respond to the emails. They don't really you know, respond, and I guess that's because they don't see the offer as a job. And so they don't even bother to respond. I respond to everybody. I get a lot of crank letters all the time from people. I consider, you know, that's part of doing business on the Internet is all the wackos and nut jobs that come through. But I also get a hell of a lot of really nice clients, really decent people who are just looking to buy art and not to be jerked around. I've had one client coming back for years and years, and he says the nice thing about doing business with you is, I tell you what I want, and you make it, and you just send it to me, and we're done. <laughs> it's no, no fooling around. And I usually get it done you know, within a week. I'm, I'm fairly fast at what I do. It isn't always a success. I do sometimes fail at jobs. My style doesn't work for everybody. The client has an expectation or an image in their mind of what the job's going to be, and I can't fulfill that. So sometimes they say no to me. And you have to take that as part of the business. You just go on. You know, the only way to really protect yourself on something like this is send them a low-resolution file first and say, do you approve this? Is this something you want? And then if they say, no, I hate it, I want my money back, then at least they don't have the art. You know, you don't want to send them a high-resolution file without being 100% sure that's exactly what they want. And even if that happens, if people come back and say, absolutely hate it, it's not what I wanted, you may have to refund their money. Or not. You might say no. I've had certain people request such specific things, serve it to them just the way they want it, and they go, well, not really what I wanted. Well, that's too bad. You bought it. That happens too. So it's always a judgment call on how you're going to handle someone who perhaps is not happy or saying no to you on your uh, thing that you delivered. You know, I just had another weird offer today where someone wants me to you know, draw greeting cards and, you know, I'll do all the work and they'll market it. I can't do deals like that and neither can you. No one has time for that. You might as well make your own projects and go ahead and make someone else's. Might as well make your own dreams come true than make someone else's dream come true. At least if you're not being paid, you at least can be happy that you're working on your own stuff. And when you do work for other people... Come to a number for a wage that you're comfortable with, but don't work for less than that 
because it just leads to disaster. There's a weird principle to this that I could describe, and it's kind of like this. If you apply for work and you apply for 50 jobs, let's say, and all the jobs pay really, really well, you're bound to land one of those good paying jobs. But if you apply to 50 jobs and they all pay poorly, then you're bound to get a poor paying job. So the odds, so to speak, take care of themselves. Does that make sense? So if you turn down low paying jobs and only open yourself up to high paying jobs, those are the kind of jobs you will have because you won't be spending your time on the low paying ones. Now, a lot of stuff is implied with all that, and it's simplified, but it's true. It's kind of like dating, and I'll leave you with this final thought. Let's say you want to date a certain type of person. Well, that's the kind of person you should talk to and approach, and you shouldn't talk to people that you don't want to approach. For example, let's say you like people who have red hair. So it would be smart for you to always talk to people or try to you know, meet people who have red hair. But if you only met blonde-haired people you would end up being with someone who had blonde hair because that's all you met. Your friends would be blonde hair, your wife, your kids. That's all you have around you. So that's how it is with seeking work. You have to seek the work that you want that is applicable to you. You want to get the red hair work if that's what you're seeking. Don't take blonde hair work because that's not good for you. It's very important to do what you want to do and, again, get paid a fair wage for doing that if you're at the level where you're able to sell art. You know, not everybody is at that level, but everybody can get there. And I think you can get there relatively quick within a few years. Now, everyone has a different level of what professionalism is, but everybody can learn to say no. So I'm at the end of the Fletcher Hanks project, and for some reason I've been taking my sweet time on the last couple pages. But every day I draw at least one or two panels and uh, the book is writing itself and I just have a few pages left. So I'm closing in on it. And I find that, uh, I was talking about this earlier, I'm really enjoying drawing in a cartoon style again. And I want to raise the bar on that. I'm not super pleased with what I'm able to produce as far as a cartoon style. So I've been looking at Al Cap, I've been looking at Walt Kelly, I've been looking at Chester Gould. For people who use a hyper cartoon style, looking at Jack Kirby. But I don't want to copy them, but I am looking for something more Al Cap-esque, which what you and I would call a classic sort of cartoon style with a heavy brush line. I'm sort of drawn to that and I'd like to create something like that. And I want to raise the bar, though, much, much further than just that. I'm really intrigued by the notion of making really interesting characters. Characters that drive the story, as opposed to the story driving the characters. In my stories, I would say that the characters are interchangeable in as much as they're used as pawns in the story. They're not all that interesting, I think, on the surface of it, I think it's more about their actions, what's happening to them, if that makes sense. Uh, Kind of like, you know, generic superhero idea, even though they're not generic, but it's the same idea. So I want to raise the bar on that. That's going to take some work on my writing. It's going to take some work on my cartooning. 
going to take a lot of work on character design. And I'm really going to have to push that. So that's something I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm looking forward to, and I'm cognitive of right now that I'm aiming for. And, you know, it's always exciting to have something to aim for. Matter, even matter how trivial it might be to other people, inside your own, you know, life, learning a new brush stroke or learning a new style or learning a new pattern to color, uh, these are exciting things for artists, and it's exciting for me. I'm really you know, jazzed by the process of creating. So, you know, going off down a new tributary or perhaps something familiar, but trying to go further with it, uh, is the idea. I've been making my posters. This is the year I wanted to make cool posters for anybody who's been listening to the art studio. So I've been making cool posters. Uh, I've made, let's see, two so far. I have another one in production and, you know, posters are like any other piece of art, obviously. But I, w- I like making big art. Now, what am I thinking? I've made more than two. Well, I guess I can't really count the ones from, from December. But uh, I just got some one in the mail here. It takes a few weeks for them to come in the mail. I've been having prints made of some of my bigger artworks. And it's really nice to see them large. Uh, I don't know what the end game is with the posters, though. You know, besides making cool posters, you know, uh, you don't, I don't make any money on them. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? Uh, so have to think about that. I've been looking at the campaigns of both the Republicans and the Democrats. It really is a freak show. It's a circus show. You know, American politics is so infused with the money of the big banks and the pharmaceutical companies And to say that they don't influence politics would be so opposite of what is true, it's ridiculous. And I don't don't know what the answer is. You know, Donald Trump is a maniac. He's an egoist. I don't think he's able to negotiate with people in a way that's going to create good change for America. You know, I'm not against his maverick attitude. But I think in the end, since he's a rich guy who's always had it his way and can push people around with his endless money, and he's surrounded by yes men, yes sir, let me get you a cup of coffee, that he doesn't know how to negotiate with people for real. You know, when people don't want to do business with you, don't want to play ball with you like people from other countries, you know, you just can't drop bombs on them or shoot them or intimidate them. It doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't work that way, and I hope it doesn't. Meanwhile, on the Democrat side, they keep, you know, the whole media is corporate-owned. Don't ever think there's some kind of liberal media. Rush Limbaugh and other people who work for corporations pretend there's a liberal media, but there is no such thing. You know, maybe the Young Turks on YouTube uh, is a liberal media, but places like CBS, NBC, PBS, the whole thing is owned by big corporations and don't think it isn't. You can hear it in the way they frame their questions, the way they, you know, report the news. And, you know, so they're trying to scare us to death that Bernie Sanders is going to tax people to death. It's the exact opposite. He's going to try to get some tax money out of the banks and the corporations, and they don't want to give it up. That's the fact. And Hillary Clinton, man, she is the artful dodger. If there was ever a person as slippery and as smart as an eel, it's her. 
She's able to cast shadows this way, that way. You know, she's obviously bought and sold by big money, by Wall Street, by the super PACs, and she artfully pretends that she's not, that she's not influenced by any of that big money. Well, ask yourself this. Why would a big company give billions to somebody's campaign or millions or whatever? They're called investors. They're not called donations. It's not what it's about. They're investors, and they expect a return, and anyone knows this. And you can see the way they've, you know, grifted the system off, you know, from the middle class. You know, it's just awful. It just really is. Anyway, sorry to rattle on about that. But I just wish there was some kind of change that was substantive for people in America. Because it seems like things have never been crazier. Now, of course, that's a lot to do with the fear mongering. But in a very real way. I see uh, the courts out of control, the police out of control, the government out of control, and uh, maybe I've just turned into an old crotchety guy who sees the whole world all screwed up. Because basically, if you rewind at any point in history and come across a guy about my age, he'll go, the whole world's going to hell, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, I don't know, though. It stinks to high heaven, money and politics. They have warped the whole system. You know, they should be, per, you know, I'll tell you one thing you should know. We pay more for medical, more for drugs, more for that pill you take when you're sick than any other country in the world. They gouge the living hell out of us, the pharmaceutical companies. They could sell that pill to us for pennies. They sell it for dollars. I have had prescriptions that have cost close to $600 for a single bottle. It is a fact that people live and die because they can't afford medicine in this country. And that's because the pharmaceutical companies are gouging the living hell out of us with no competition and no one to stop them because they've bought off all the politicians. There is no way that people in America should be gouged for medicine that people in third, fourth world countries pay a fraction of the price. It's, it's just mind-boggling how we've been taken advantage of. Have a great day in your art studio, and I'll be back here before you know it. Have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.